You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skin care that the pros love, LA Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-size intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black, $10 plus free shipping, available at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB, while supplies last. After the trade for Victor Arvidsson, the LA Kings currently have seven picks in the 2021 NHL entry draft, including the eighth overall pick. The draft is always a bit of a mystery with hundreds of players eligible to be taken, but this past year has made it even tougher to predict. So we've assembled some keen hockey observers from around the hockey world, and Jack Jablonski is going to ask them to tell us which players are out there and what kinds of players might wind up in LA. This week, we're taking a look at players coming out of the USHL and the Czech Republic, and to help us do that, from McKean's Hockey and his own project, Scouching, Will Scouch. What's up, Kings fans? Welcome back to another episode where we talk about the prospects that could become Kings. Uh, Today, we're going to cover the USHL. We'll cover some Europeans at the end as well, and with me to talk about these kids is Will Scouch. Well, you know, you've got a lot of different titles here, but I I think the best one would be, you know, analyst in terms of draft prospects, uh, along with uh, analytics. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, we'll call it that. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a I craft my own database of data for uh, for prospects in the NHL draft. I guess you can call that. Perfect. Well, I mean, it's obviously in depth, and uh, I appreciate the time, and thanks for coming on the pod. It's a pleasure. So before we get into some of these prospects, and we'll start with the USHL, I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit of how the emergence of the USHL has really become a NHL producing league. When do you think that started to happen and why? Um, I think it's a couple of different things. I, it seems to have really coincided with the emergence of USA hockey really starting to, you know, um, condense everything and sort of focus on you know the NTDP program took a big step forward in the in the later 2000s and into the 2010s and it's sort of become a premier hockey development program and i think they also become sort of the team to beat and other players who might be headed to college and and just might not be at the sort of NTDP attention level might still want to get a chance and so USHL teams might i think there's just more and more talent coming out of the states from a younger and younger age and the NTDP is kind of making that happen more and more. And I think that that's kind of, you know, raised everyone's talent level over the years. And I think it I think it definitely has become much more competitive uh, than it was when when I was, you know, a young 17 year old kid. <laughs> uh, well, you're you know, you're spot on with that in terms of the development and what it's produced. You know, you look back at the Kings in the last few years. You know, two year, uh, this past year in 2020, they took two guys out of the USHL and Alex Laferriere, Ben Meehan, also, you know, mid-round draft picks. You know, go back another year, Andre Lee in 2019. More notably, Trevor Lewis, George Peros, Paul Ledoux are some of the guys that uh, have come out of the USHL in terms of Kings uh, draft picks. But we look to this year in 2021, the Kings have eight draft picks, including one in the first, two in the second, and two in the third. And, you know, the first guy in the USHL that I wanted to start with is someone who's projected to go right, you know, right in that draft pick for the Kings, maybe a little later in Cole Sillinger. You know, he's a centerman, potentially a left wing, six foot, 190, right in that 10, 20 range out of Sioux Falls. A guy whose father played in the NHL, Mike Sillinger, former first round draft pick, played for, you know, I believe 18 years and over a thousand games. Um, Not a whole lot like him though. Pure sniper and a guy that can really score from anywhere, right? Pretty much. Yeah, he is one of the guys where I think there's a lot of, I think, projectable scoring talent. Um, he's a player that has, I think, strengths and weaknesses. He's in the you know, you know sort of mid first round on my board. If the LA Kings brought him up at eight, that might be a bit high for me. I can see why teams would want him, though. 
Um, you know, he really knows how to step into the middle of the ice. He knows how to shoot. He can score in a multitude of different ways. He had a playmaking side to his game from not this season, but the year before that really sort of disappeared completely this year in, in what I saw. Um, and so there are question marks about like what role he's going to play and, and what likelihood, you know, what version of Cole Sillinger really is going to be Cole Sillinger in the NHL. Cause I've seen very different brands. Um, but I do think that the raw tools are more than worth betting on. And I think that there's a lot to work with that over the next couple of years, you, you could end up with a pretty interesting scoring forward for your team. You talk about the, you know, the playmaking in the previous year. He was at Medicine Hat in the WHL. He played 48 games, 22 goals, 31 assists for 53 points. He goes to the USHL this past season because of the whole question marks with the leagues. He plays 31 games for Sioux Falls, 24 goals and 22 assists for 46 points, like you mentioned. Do you think that the playmaking tool in terms of raw talent is something that can become consistent? And in terms of that offensive talent, you know, a lot of draft, you know, reports talk about he how he may lack that defensive, you know, defensive awareness and or, you know, focus is that something that's a little bit of a question mark or do you think that his game can really become well-rounded uh i mean my read of it is that i'm not totally sure he trusted the guys he was playing with um you know he is very talented on his own and he you know in in the data that i've tracked he was one of the more uh he was getting the puck moving offensively more often than a lot of forwards i've tracked so it's not like this is a guy who did nothing away from the offensive zone but the trouble is that his passing all across the ice and in almost every way was down near the bottom of the list of guys that I've tracked. So he wasn't even, he's just not passing the puck. He's getting the puck and moving it up the ice and shooting it himself. And his defensive metrics were not good. And I also think that that, that isn't really necessarily as much of a concern for me. I have seen him, especially as the year went on, you know, really starting to move his feet a lot more, really starting to pressuring guy, really starting to pressure guys a lot more, really trying to at least, you know, get involved defensively. He was playing center a lot. So that is kind of the expectation, but then there would also be times where you wouldn't see enough out of him and and he would just kind of get, you know, fall behind on puck pursuits and not win battles, but he's physical. You know, it's not like you're, you're not going to get a physical player out of him. Um, It's just a matter of fitting into a unit in the NHL. Cause I don't think he's as talented as a guy that can, you just put him on the ice and he gets the puck and he can do everything himself. You, you know, I think that he can be a great finisher. He's got a decent set of feet under him. They're not great, but I think he has enough tools to make it work. And with some development and and some coaching to sort of bring him along in the right direction. Yeah, I definitely think there's something there. Um, But there are definitely holes in his game that would cause some concern. But if a team is not super concerned and they like the scoring, yeah, he could go much higher than where I have him slotted for sure. You speak of tools and, you know, being able to do it on your own. The next guy here seems to have those tools and Matthew Coronado. He's a winger played uh, for the Chicago steel, my alma mater, Uh, five foot 10, 183 pounds guy who's projected to go in that mid, maybe late first round led the USHL in goals, you know, 48 in route to, you know, helping lead his team to the, uh, the Clark cup, someone who clearly has, you know, the shot, the offensive prowess, Um, you know, someone who's been known to sit in that Ovechkin office spot on the power play. What about Coronado has him, you know, in that mid first round and, you know, can his goal scoring and offense take him to next levels? Yeah. So Coronado is a guy who um, I, it took me a while to sort of really understand what I was looking at with him. It, 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 the first few games I did of him and the first few viewings I had of Chicago, I didn't think he stuck out a ton. And I thought that his, Mm -hmm. you know, he was playing with two 2000 born line mates and they were scoring the lights out and winning games like nine, seven and eight, six and whatever, which is fun. I don't mind that at all. It's a lot of fun. It's good hockey. Yeah. it's, It's a lot of fun, but with Coronado, definitely over time, you start to sort of go, Oh, okay. Like, I, I see kind of where he's coming from and how he's sort of why he would be put on a line with, with older players who are much more experienced and further along in their development and not look out of place. You, you know, I think with him, there's a lot of smarts with him. He He's a very practical player. He's a good puck mover in terms of, 
you know, not overthinking the game uh, too much. Sometimes he can do that, but a lot, he's very reliable and dependable. Again, we were talking about Cole Sillinger taking the puck offensively. Um, Coronado is a m- even more active. He's one of the most active offensive transition players I've tracked. Uh, you know, tons of volume, tons of efficiency. You know, he's not the best skater. He's not the most skilled guy, but he's really hard to knock off the puck. He thinks on his feet very quickly and can move the puck really quickly in those situations. There's a lot to, again, he, there, there's a lot to like with Coronado. If Sillinger is a guy that you're going to draft and bet on his offense, I think with Coronado, he's a guy where you're drafting him and maybe his offensive game doesn't, you know, he scored a ton of goals this year, but I don't know if mm-hmm. he's going to do the same in the NHL. I think he can be a competent scorer. He's got a great shot for sure. And he's a, and a solid playmaker as well, but nothing overwhelming. And I think that in the NHL, especially if his foot speed and sort of the skill level doesn't really match up, he'll be more than smart enough to just get the job done. And I think as a middle six guy that, that you can depend on most shifts and, and, and he's not gonna, you know, he seems like a coachable kid. And I think that teams, teams like that about him. And, you know, I I think there's a road to a, to a really interesting player there. Maybe not someone who's going to like change your life, but definitely really intelligent, dependable, 200 foot kind of guy that that I always like watching and the more and more I watched him I definitely latched onto him more and you mentioned he was a winger he started playing center with Chicago as the year went on as well and he did not look out of place there you know he's I I feel like he was much more comfortable with a bit more open ice to play with Mm -hmm. um so I I think it's an interest he's an interesting player I mean he's a guy who I've seen ranked outside the first round he's a guy I've seen ranked before 15 you know I kind of fall in the middle but he's he's a nice Swiss army knife to work with for sure uh, two things there that you mentioned that I kind of want to expand on. And the first one was is North South player, a guy who can just get it and go to the net. You know, at five foot ten, you know, one eighty three. That's a solid build. Is there room for him to grow? Obviously, literally. Um, but you know, that North South game is someone who's not afraid to go to the net with or without the puck. How much do you think that is appealing to to NHL scouts? I think it's definitely appealing. I mean, with him, you know, you definitely. I mean, he's one of the most often he in my data set he's one of the guys that's most often shooting from right in front of the net um mm. he he fights and battles to get there and i'd much rather see a guy who fights and battles to get there and is successful quite a bit than someone who's a bit hesitant to do that sticks to the outside drives the perimeter and trying to get them to to do that more often in a game and get comfortable with that it's a it's a weird balance but i think that again with coronado the things that you can improve over the next couple of years at Harvard for him are, you know, like skating and skill and all these fundamentals that just can get better and, and you get quicker and more comfortable and, and all that. And I think that with Coronado, that that's entirely possible. And with sort of the the work rate that he puts out and, and just when he has guys draped all over him, he doesn't really back down at all. I, I don't really see him giving up on play a whole lot. If he does turn a puck over, he's right back in there trying to get it back. You know, he pinches back below the goal line defensively to try to turn play around. And, you know, again, a lot of the numbers sort of speak for themselves, especially when the puck is on his own stick. So, you know, there's a nice, again, the instincts are really nice. That Again, it's a nice, it's a weird mirror image between him and Cole Sillinger, where Sillinger's okay. got a lot of tools and maybe the all-around game might not be quite there, whereas Coronado has a great all-around game, but the raw tools still might need a bit of a bit of maneuvering Refining. for the next yeah. little while, yeah. Uh, well, from one Chicago steel forward to the next, we're going to go to Mackie Samoskovich, right wing, 5'11", 190, late first, early second projection, a guy who averaged a point a game and wore the A in Chicago. A real well-rounded offensive producer, maybe not the offensive tools that the previous two we talked about, but someone who uh, has that playmaking ability. Yeah, he is one of the most fun players to watch this year, for sure. Uh, he When he gets going, he gets going, and... You know, he's got a ton of skill and he is, you know, he's a bit of a, uh, you know, offense pretty much only guy in my view. He's a mm-hmm. bit passive defensively, but it's it's kind of a situation where for now you can forgive it because of just how many offensive talents he has. I mean, he's a great he's a great playmaker. He's got a ton of skill to, to evade pressure and, you know, he he, he comes and goes, but when I see players who are offensive leaning and they kind of can disappear for stretches and not really contribute a whole lot, I still value what they do when they show up, you know, when, when they're playing really, really well, there's a few guys this year where I think if they, if they play at the top 25% of what they're capable of a lot more often, 
they'll outperform their draft slot, no question. And I think that you kind of have to bet on that because you've you can you see you've seen it. And with Sam Eskevich, he's another one of those guys where sometimes he might not be all there, but then he sort of flips a switch in the right situation, and then you just see something magical and something really high end. So he's the really fun one. I I can see why a team might value him really highly, but I can see why teams might be a little bit skittish. He's very much an open ice guy. He likes to have some space to play with. He likes to challenge guys one-on-one, you know, in the NHL that you can get away with that. Um, And I think that you can definitely hope that, that, that he develops into a player that can do that in the NHL. But at the same time, you can also understand why an NHL team might be a little bit skeptical of high skill, high flying guys that might come and go a little bit. Like you said, he was only about a point per game in the USHL, which is not bad, but not typical sort of first round talent. Um, But I think, I think there's a definitely very interesting player there. And if he goes, you know, if he goes 15th overall, I get it. If he goes 40th overall, I also get it. It mm-hmm. just will depend very much on the team and, and what they see in him for sure. I had two names written down in terms of NHL comparisons, and I'm curious to know what you think of them. Uh, the first one was Mitch Marner, and the second one was Johnny Goudreau. Do you see, you know, reminiscent uh, styles of play, or is there another name that you have in your head? I mean, in terms of pure skill level, there is a bit of an echo there. I mean, with with guys like uh, Johnny Gaudreau and and Mitch Marner, I mean that those guys were you know much more on all the time, and I think that's a lot mm-hmm. of what fed into their yeah. point totals when they were draft eligible. Yeah. But in terms of in terms of just the skill and and the one on one willingness to challenge guys and and get fans out of their seats, like. He's got a lot of that, and and so does a guy like Mitch Marner and 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 Johnny Gaudreau. I guess it's just in terms of an all around game and an actual scoring output. There's a lot with Sam Eskevich where there's potential, but I think he there's still some work to be done in terms of actually consistently being an offensively threatening player every time he steps on the ice. For me, uh, we're gonna move to the next guy here, and it's Ayrton Martino. Uh, Left wing, 5'11", you know, 160. So not the biggest guy. Somewhere projected in that mid-second round out of Omaha. Uh, He's on his way to Clarkson University next year. Um, Had 38 games and 56 points with the majority coming from uh, assists. Seems like the ultimate playmaker. uh, What about his game has NHL scouts intrigued? (laughs) To me, he's one of the most undervalued guys. Really? I love him. I, I think that, you know, when we're talking about USHL guys... I mean, I have him higher than Sam Eskevich. I think that in terms mm-hmm. of actually projecting him into the NHL, I think that there's a lot to like with Martino. He brings like a an intelligence about his offensive game. Again, he is that Sam Eskevich brand of like very sort of offensive leaning. Um, you know, if he's it, defensively, he can sort of read the neutral zone really well and knock down errant passes and turn play around. But that's sort of an aggressive style of defense without really a lot of physical imposition and I don't think you're going to get that out of him. Uh, but in terms of offense, if he's paired with good puck movers who can move the puck up the ice with a lot of pace and work off of him, you know, there aren't very many forwards this year that I've tracked who are as devastating with the puck in the offensive zone, especially entering the offensive zone, his ability to sort of hit passing lanes and spot guys across the ice and, you know, pull pucks around and just create new little lanes for fractions of a second to pass the puck I mean, he's he's brilliant, and I think he's extremely undervalued. If he's the guy in the late second round, like you could just draft him and hope things work out for the best. Because if they do, he's he's got a ton of talent. I mean, I, I'm looking at my track data on him. He was sixth of all players I've tracked in terms of sending pucks in front of the net uh, offensively. In terms of as a percentage of his entire pass attempts that I tracked, a quarter of them were passes to the slot. So wow. so he's a player that is very much focused on the offensive zone. Um, not super interested, not, I shouldn't say not interested, but not super involved in offensive transitions on average. But again, like if you pair him with the right people, um, and the right sort of forwards who can take the puck and sort of work with him with it. And then in the offensive zone, he's that creator. There's definitely a lot to like there. And he's also a pretty good scorer himself too. He's got dual threat offense as well. So I think there's a lot to like with him. Uh, and if he's outside the first round next in the, in the draft this year, then yeah, sign me up. I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, two things I had down on him was his phenomenal breakaway speed. Is he one of the fasters, faster guys in the USHL? 
I don't know so much about fastest, but he is willing. He's one of the few guys this year who I think is really willing to get a jump on the opponent. Like I, I mm-hmm. think he just, I think he just steps into the neutral zone earlier than a lot of other players might when his team has the puck, like his ability to just mm-hmm. say, all right, we've got the puck. I'm off. Maybe that's something that coaches will maybe reel in a little bit. I think it did kind of get reeled in uh, during his time with Omaha over time. I think they got him playing a little bit more of a complete game rather than just being a breakaway machine. But mm-hmm. you're right. That is something I picked up on almost immediately, too. I think the first two games I tracked, he had like four breakaways in those games. Yeah, that's separation. Like, yeah, so he, he, has a, he has the ability to get the jump. I don't know if it's like pure speed, but I think it's more of like yep. a mental quickness thing with him. But that's definitely there as well. Do you have an NHL comparable in your mind? No. <laughs> no, I hey. I don't, I don't really know. Enough. I don't, I don't usually think too much about NHL comparables. They can get a little bit out of control for me. Um, oh, absolutely. I know. Yeah. Then you get the hype up and yeah. all of a sudden you have the next Austin Matthews in the third round, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, but I do think, you know, like I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head and I, I just can't. But I, I think that if you if you know what you're getting with the guy based on the data he puts up and everything, especially with Ayrton Martino, I think if you know what you're doing with him and you don't expect him to be sort of, you know, you can look at his point totals and go, he's going to be a game changer. But I think that that a lot of that comes from having a more responsible group around him and, and sort of helping him get the puck. And he is, you know, on offensive entries and sort of monitoring the ice from there and, and just running the offensive zone. He's, he's, he's a great offensive player for sure. Um, just can't think of any NHL players that quite hey. look, look similar to him right now. For sure. Uh, well, the next guy here is uh, someone I'm extremely fond of because he comes from my home state in Jack Pert, mm. left-handed defenseman, five foot 11, 180. guy that's, you know, we've seen in draft boards late first, we've seen early second. Uh, you know, he split time between high school hockey and Minnesota once their season started uh, and also with the Fargo force of the USHL. Uh, he had 35 points in 18 games for Grand Rapids High School in Minnesota, which uh, I can attest to is extremely impressive as a defenseman. And then uh, with Fargo, he had 15 points in 24 games. Someone who has a huge upside from everything that I read about and won Mr. Hockey, which would be the best uh, senior hockey player in Minnesota, along with the USHL Rookie of the Year. What about his game do you see as something that has that NHL um, maybe game breaker and or someone that can really make a difference in the NHL. Yeah. So Jack Peart is a, is a very interesting player. I, I've been, I've watched him a lot. I've been trying to, you know, really get a good grasp on what it is that he does really well. The biggest, the biggest thing. And I think the thing that's really sticking out to NHL teams is just his, his ability to sort of move the puck up the ice creatively, just manipulating guys, looking off, you know, he'll, he'll look like he's going to pass the puck one way and then very quickly change directions and completely think of something else entirely. You know, he just has a very good read of the ice, you know, he'll fake multiple options and just very unpredictably move the puck up the ice. And I think that that's something that NHL teams really look for these days is, you know, everybody's fast, everybody's skilled, everybody's whatever, everybody's physical, but you, you know, there's also another layer to it of like, how deceptive can you be? You know, like how much can you manipulate the opponent and then make an opening for your team yeah. to get up the huge ice? Huge in the NHL now. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's huge. So I think teams are latching onto that. I think his skating is fine. His skill level is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, overall, his data to me is not overwhelming, but he yeah. does pass the puck a lot and he connects on those passes a lot. And I think that's very notable and reliable. Um there's just, I think, the finer points and the sort of the fundamentals and, and especially defensively, I think, might need a little bit of work. Um, but I think with the brain that he has, especially with the puck on his stick, like there's a reason he scores that many points against high school competition because mm-hmm. they just can't they just wouldn't be able to pick up pick up how to read him and and, yeah. and think about get inside his head and think of what he's trying to get at. So that's definitely projectable. And, and I think that that's the big thing that people are latching on to for sure. One of the things in reading about him uh, was a quote from his uh, Fargo head coach and Pierre Paul Lamoureux. And it was Jack is the smartest player in defense when we've had on this staff. And since he's been there, and that's about six years or so for Lamoureux, his hockey sense and anticipation are definitely strengths for him. Mm -hmm. Do you see him as someone that can become, uh, you know, a guy that can play in all three zones or power play penalty kill neutral zone in the NHL? 
Potentially. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about, again, he's going to be a very interesting one to work with. You know, yeah. if, if I were sitting on a scouting staff, I don't think he's the most, like, I don't think he's a first round level talent player. Yeah. You know, I think in terms of fundamental talent, you still need to sort of raise a lot of things up quite a bit. But in yep. terms of the mind that you're working with and, and you know, if, if his skating can improve, if his skill level can improve, his ability to manage gaps defensively can improve, you know, leading with his stick to do to, to stick check more consistently and more aggressively. Those things, I think, all you can't say they won't happen. And if uh-huh. they do, when the puck is on his stick and with the brain that he's got, you know, then you, you could make the argument that there's a lot of upside there. And I, yeah. I would believe it. You know, I don't know if I, he would be the first guy that I would pick, but that's definitely something that I think really, really sticks out with him. And and yeah, so he's going to be a very interesting one in terms of where he goes. I mean, again, he's similar to a lot of guys in this draft where if he goes at 20th overall, I wouldn't do it, but I get it. And if he goes yeah. at, at 50, I'd be very surprised if he makes it that far. But a mm-hmm. team around then, it's like, yeah, you got a great project to work with. He seems like a great kid. And uh a lot of th- he's he's again like kind of in a in an island by himself in terms yeah. of that deception and puck management that that you don't see so often. Well, Pierre's on his way to a, a very sturdy school in Saint Cloud University in Minnesota. On to another guy who's going to a nice program in Minnesota at the University of Minnesota would be Tristan Burroughs. center, left wing, right wing, wherever you want to put him up front. Seemingly, he's he fits into it. Six footer, 176, uh, mid second round projection. One of the older kids in the draft. He's in October of 2002. So he barely missed last year's draft in terms of eligibility. Now becomes eligible this year. Played in high school back in 2018 19, goes to Fargo uh, 2019 20, and then 2020 2021. Uh, was the assistant captain for the Fargo Forest. Put up a point a game uh, for Fargo. He led them in points you know he can play all three positions guy that's effective on the power play uh, what do you make of a player in Tristan Bros? uh yeah he's a, a an interesting one I I definitely see what people are getting at I mean I know I've seen him in the first round on some boards and I know some people who really like him um I don't I don't see quite the player I think a lot of other people do especially considering how old he is for this year's draft mm-hmm. um you know I'm not his production was okay but the things that when I'm tracking him, I've done a few games of him and, and there's a few things that he just, there's not a whole lot of, of, you know, I, I, again, like I, I see the things people are talking about. He's mobile. Yeah. He's very creative and quite skilled. He can pull pucks around the ice and evade pressure very creatively. And I think that that's major. That's, that's exciting. He can be very exciting to watch, but in terms of actually driving offense at five on five, he kind of struggles to get the puck inside. He struggles to get himself inside the front of the ice to sort of get those dangerous shot attempts. He's, you know, an okay transporter offensively. You know, I think people can see him and get maybe not carried away, but 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 see the the creativity and the skill and and the fun factor that can come out once in a while when he's in open ice. And, you know, he does have some intelligent pass decisions that he makes here and there, and they can sort of latch onto that, and I totally get it. But yeah. I think overall, I think there's a lot of other guys that, to me, are much more threatening at five on five, much younger. So you have a longer runway to work with. Uh, and and again, if Bros is a guy that a team takes at like 30th or 31st overall, there's interesting fundamentals to work with, I think. But mm. not the guy that I think I'm 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 clawing for in that range personally. Where would you where where do you have him projected? He's a he's a mid to late second for me. I think mm-hmm. if he's a guy that's maybe the second or third guy, like I, I, if you have multiple second round picks and your first second round pick is on someone that should have gone in the do. first round, there you go. Then maybe bros <laughs> is a guy that, you know, if someone really, really likes him and your development coaches are like, yes, we can turn this guy into like it, yeah. something then sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally would buy that argument. But in terms of what I've seen, the, the data that's there, the, 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 the age factor and all these things that kind of colors things a little bit differently for me. Well, we'll move on to the next guy here, and it's Brent Johnson, the right-handed defenseman, uh, a guy who 5'11", 160, maybe that third-round projection. Sioux Falls Stampede last year um, as a defenseman had 32 points in 47 games, 11 goals, 21 assists. Seemingly a guy who kind of does it all. Uh, maybe, you know, that guy who can quarterback a power play, moves the puck well in transition. 
is that something that is the key to his game and being able to progress to the next levels? Well, he is another one of these really fascinating players. Uh, okay. He, he came out of nowhere this year, to me at least. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he was a guy who I think was playing in like, oh, he was playing in Dallas, Texas two years ago, playing AAA. He played AAA last year for Little Caesars. Like, and all of a sudden he's on the top line for Sioux Falls and in the <laughs> USHL, right? And actually performed extremely well. So he's an interesting one. And I think that considering how good he was this year relative to where he was last year, I think that there's a lot of trajectory to work with. Again, we're like talking about Jack Peart, um, really good manipulator. But in terms of Johnson, Mm -hmm. his, his, his bread and butter is escaping pressure. Like defensive, defensively, a big thing that he does really well is just when he's under threat, he just uses really creative little moves or little passes to himself along the boards to just make a little bit of space and move the puck. You know, again, he's top 10 in terms of completing passes, which to me is very important. He just is a relatively, he's a relatively safe defender. And in the offensive zone, he also has some tools as well. He's not necessarily the most involved offensive transition player, but I think there's room to grow there. You know, his his speed generation is okay, but the skill level is is really good. I think for him, he can shoot. He's a creative passer offensively. It just doesn't come out a whole lot. He's much more conservative. Um, but he's a guy who I think that, again, like if you want a Swiss Army knife guy that you can build on and, and he's malleable because he's only just a USHL rookie this year uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, coming from where he came from last year, I think there's a tremendous player that could potentially be there. And again, like I have him higher than Tristan Bros, but I mm-hmm. I think that you could get him later than Bros. I think if he's a guy if that's there mm-hmm. in the third round, you're not going to do much better than him, I think. I mean, we'll see what yeah. happens on draft day, but... I came away enjoying him a lot, and I think that there's a lot to work with. Um, still areas, some areas are a bit raw, but definitely really good potential with him, I think. In your description talking about Johnson, the first you know NHL that comes to my mind is maybe like a Samuel Gerrard. Is that someone that you see similarities within their games? Uh, in terms of skating and such, maybe not so much. I think mm-hmm. that Gerrard is much flashier and, and agile and and all that but with with the 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 creativity and skill especially under pressure you know like brent johnson's not the biggest guy like you said off the top yeah sam 511 gerard, yeah sam gerard is not the biggest guy but when you look at sam gerard's defensive data last i checked they're not terrible you know for a five foot nine defender he's better defensively than you would think same thing with a player like ryan ellis um and i think with brent johnson you know he does have good defensive traits it's just a bit yeah. inconsistent there He's a good stick checker. If that fails, if he's on, he can follow up with his body. He can, you know, knock guys out against the boards and stuff. Well, not literally knock them out, but, you know, remove them from play. And and he does a lot of things, I think, pretty well when he's playing really well. And there are games where he can kind of take his foot off the gas pedal. He can sort of get caught puck watching and sort of let the game come to him a little bit. But those are things that I think you can get out over time, and especially with a few years in college and I don't know. I think the trajectory with him is really positive, and I, I like a lot of the interesting tools that he's got for sure. The next guy here in Jack Barr, he's a right-handed defenseman, six foot three, one ninety-three, give or take third round. Um, extremely intriguing to me. He's uh, he played for the Chicago Steel, who again were stacked, and uh, I'll mention again my alma mater. But uh, Newmarket, Ontario born, drafted into the OHL opted to actually play in prep school so he could keep his college eligibility, goes to the USHL, plays for Chicago, 34 games, 15 points, commits to Harvard. So clearly a guy who's extremely um, well-versed off the ice in terms of wanting to go to college, obviously now Harvard, can't ask for a better school there. But we go back to the on-ice attributes, good size, mobility, a guy that's just a hard defenseman to play against. Yeah, I can I can sort of I can vibe with that. I mean, with Jack Barr, I think I expected a little bit more offense out of him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got a good shot from the point. Uh, that's a big thing that he's got going for him. I think that what's really sort of stood out to me, he's not a guy that I have ranked extremely high. Last I checked, uh, he's sort of in my third or yeah, late late second round, early third. Mm-hmm. And I think with him, he's a big guy. If his skating can come away, then I think there's a much more interesting player there. He's very skilled for a guy his size as well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think he's got good evasive skill getting through layers of guys, you know, similar to a Matthew Coronado where it's not extremely high end, but he can adapt yeah. to pressure well, create space for himself and get into that space. And, you know, he he 
I, I like him every so often when I check in on him, I see what people are talking about with him. I I've seen people with him much higher than I have him and I'm not totally sold on that. But in terms of just a well-refined, smart, you know, puck-moving defenseman who can who can just sort of brush off pressure, maybe chip in offensively here and there with the shot that he's got and the and the playmaking he can bring out once in a while, maybe there's something there. Um, but again, a guy who's just you know, to me, kind of up and down. Depends on what I'm mm-hmm. depends on what I'm feeling. I guess when I watch him, I haven't got any track data on him, but I've seen Chicago play a ton. Um, and he'll be an interesting one to watch over the next few years for sure. Like if a team picks him high, sure. I can understand why. Um, but you know, maybe a bit more of a project that you might pick up in the middle rounds. You talked about how you haven't necessarily seen him, uh, eye to eye, but you've definitely tracked him in some data areas at six foot three, one ninety three as an 18 year old, uh, clearly has the physical attributes, um, literally, is he a guy that plays that physical game or is he much more towards the, you know, the stick and the skill as you kind of mentioned? Um, from what I've seen, the the best parts of what I've seen of him are usually when he's got the puck. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think defensively he's fine, uh, pretty well refined, you know, not a liability, which is perfectly fine. But in terms of what I when I when I watch him and what I latch on to, it's definitely what he plays, how he plays with the puck and the evasion yeah. and and just adapting to pressure and all those things that for modern sort of puck moving defensemen, especially ones with size, you need to have. So assuming that his skating can improve when he's at Harvard, same thing with Matthew Coronado, there could be a a very interesting player there for sure. Well, we'll move on to the next one here and it's Matthew Nyes, uh, left winger, 6'3", 208, a big boy, somewhere in that second to third round range. He went to Tri-City, actually born in Phoenix, but represents Slovakia. So he's, again, an older player, October 2002 birthday. Um, perplexing in terms of his output this past year. So you go back to the 2019-2020 season, 44 games, 45 points. Uh, again, older player uh, in terms of draft eligibility. This year, again, with Tri-City, where's that A on his chest? 44 games again, but dipped in points with uh, three less and 42. Big question, why? And is there a reason or you know maybe something that, NHL scouts should be concerned about. Uh, yeah, I mean, with with Nyes, I he's a guy where I didn't have him ranked, and I wanted to be sure that I had him not ranked for a reason, and so I did a few games of tracking on him. I've yeah. I've been watching Tri City for two years, and I thought Nyes was a player that kind of stuck out to me last year as a guy to keep an eye on, mm-hmm. and I just haven't seen much progression this year. He he kind of comes and goes. He's not super efficient managing the puck offensively. He's not the best passer. He misses his targets quite a lot. And I think through that, it just prevents him from getting into the offensive zone and playing there very much. You know, his offensive output in terms of dangerous shot attempts for his team is 94th of 130 guys I've tracked, which is not mm. great. Um, so he's his, he, when he's on the ice, his line kind of struggles to produce. And when And when it comes down to it, at five on five, he's just not as much of a producer as the other guys that, 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 that you could draft this year. Um, it's not terrible. He should get picked, I think, but in terms of real upside, I just have a lot of question marks. He's just not moving the needle a whole lot, especially not on a consistent basis. Sometimes you see some nice, you know, evasive skill and, and, and finding open ice and powering into it and all that stuff, which is always good, but there isn't much, creation with that there isn't you know it's sort of in very small isolation he has some nice moments but i i've never really come away thinking that that nice is a guy that i'm definitely jumping on to get because they, especially when you look at where he was last year where he was pretty impressive uh, but just didn't really seem to develop a whole lot this year from from what i saw well it, you know you talk about those question marks and i think another question mark for nice is going to be what he does next year Projected to go to the University of Minnesota into a, a loaded organization with a lot of top prospects and draft picks. So something definitely to keep an eye on. Um, but we'll move to the next guy here and we go back to another Chicago Steel play in Ryan Ufko. Right-handed defense, and a little bit smaller, 5'10", 178. Again, a little, you know, that mid-range draft pick, day two. Uh, huge step forward this year, though. You know, he went from averaging, I think, 13 minutes to 24 minutes, which is a big jump. Uh, especially when you're talking about going from the USHL um, year one to year two. A guy who played 53 games for the Steel and had 39 points. Uh, Seemingly a big upside for this guy. Would you agree? 
Uh, not really. <laughs> hey, fair enough. <laughs> no, I That's mean, what you're I, here for. I, I've done a lot of games of, of Ryan Ufko this year because he is one where at first I was definitely um, interested. I yeah. was again the Chicago Steel is a game are, are a team that no matter what you you end up watching somehow. Um, yeah. And he was a guy who at first when before I tracked him I thought okay you know I saw him just rip a shot from the point and you know just looked real good sort of quarterbacking their power play mm-hmm. and there were some things where I thought okay maybe there's something here. Um, but when I when I tracked him it was kind of similar to to Matty Nyes where I'm sort yeah. of sitting there going like you're not really moving the needle. Uh, really not involved that much offensively with the puck at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the lowest of track this year. Defensively, he gets very involved, but I found that he gets beat a lot more than he should. Um, mm-hmm. Just a very sort of inefficient transition player. The offense, I think when he's in the offensive zone, sure, he can really shoot. That's definitely a thing that he's got. Um, he, he passes the puck a lot, misses on his targets yeah. often enough where it's a bit concerning for me. Um, I think with, with Ufko... I'm not surprised that some boards don't have him. Some boards do, uh, even though he's playing for Chicago and playing huge minutes. Um, yeah. There's there's just a lot of question marks. I mean, I, to throw a name that I don't think is on our list, uh, that's a teammate of his that was actually playing on a pair with him towards the end of the year is Lucas Gustafson. Yeah. And and I really like Lucas Gustafson. I have Gustafson ranked, and I don't have Ufko ranked. Okay. In a lot of areas, I found Gustafson not only showed more in terms of projectable talents on his feet, especially than Ufko, but his data, especially in transitions going both directions uh, was much more promising than, than Ryan Ufko. And that's a guy that only played 15 games, I think for the USHL team this year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's a lot of other players, like again, with a lot of these players where I'm not a huge fan, I think by the time that I would be ready to take a swing on them, they'll be long gone. Someone else yeah. will see something different than me and we'll be moving on to some other players. So, you know, it's not like I'm trying to like throw shade on, on Ryan Ufko. It's yeah, just absolutely. a play. It's just a player where I just don't, I just don't see much of a needle mover. And even if there was a thing where maybe these skills could improve, maybe there's something there. I still don't quite see it with him. Uh, especially when you consider how much everyone else is going to develop over the next <laughs> few years. Well, well let's transition to Gustafson. You talked about him being Ufko's D partner. Uh, what about his game has you on uh, on your board opposed to Ufko not on your board? Uh, just to, his ability to skate is really impressive. You know, it's mm-hmm. he's a player who I think was a little bit uncomfortable in the USHL when he played this year in terms of how his talent profile was and what his results were. So I'm looking at his offensive transitions. He was involved in a ton of them, um, but he wasn't very efficient moving the puck up the ice. He was icing the puck quite a bit you know, not really taking things into his own hands and because he could. Um, defensively, what I really like about him is just how laterally mobile he is. He can generate mm-hmm. speed going left and right extremely well, even if he he's an aggressive defenseman. So he'll jump in and pinch at the offensive blue line. And if he misses, he's not he's not gone. He's he, he, he doubles back really well, drives off of his inside edges really, really well and cuts back into the middle of the ice really well. And I think that with a little bit of patience and refinement i've heard that he's going back to chicago next year uh and they basically said you're going to play like top pair top four minutes and you're going to be on the power play like he was supposed to be there this year but you know guys like jack Barr showed up and unexpected things happened and they just couldn't promise him the role that they thought he needed and he looked great uh with cushing the prep school he played for this year so i think there's a lot to like with a guy like that you know, he's an aggressive offensive defenseman, but he's not a slouch defensively and, and with his mobility and, and just the from from time to time, his ability to shut down defensive transitions, I felt was projectable and, and really interesting for an aggressive guy. And he's a guy who I haven't seen on any boards. And if he's in there in the in the sixth or seventh round or something, because no one really is paying attention, yeah. I'm easily taking a flyer on him because Still, I think yeah. I think he I think he has a lot of really interesting talent for sure. Speaking of interesting talent, we go to a guy in Jackson Blake, uh, right wing, 5'10", 150. Smaller guy, played for Chicago Steel, also played in uh, Minnesota High School League at Eden Prairie, which is one of the premier blue blood programs. Uh, son of longtime NHLer Jason Blake, former King, former Duck. Uh, 25 games in the USHL, 17 points. But you go back to the uh, Eden Prairie High School, 19 games, 58 points, which I can attest to is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, hockey IQ through the roof. Obviously, it helps that your dad was a longtime NHLer and someone who definitely had to use his brain to stay in the game. What do you think of Jackson Blake? 
I really like Jackson Blake. I think there's a really good player there. Um, really slippery skill guy. The yeah. only thing that really kind of concerns me is that he's a bit small and his skating isn't necessarily excellent. Yeah. I think that if that comes a ways over the next little while, he's going to North Dakota. Um, not a bad place to play. Uh, <laughs> not one bit. <laughs> and uh, I think that if that's something that can come a little bit of a ways, then I think you're you're laughing. He's very young. I think that's another interesting thing to note about any prospect is when they're in that sort of late July, August, September birthday kind of thing. Uh, that that does, you know, bring a lot of attention for me. And I watched a few of his high school games, and yeah, like similar to Jack Peart. Just like you said, the hockey IQ, his ability to just read the opponent and be like, I'm going to embarrass you. Yeah, um, just cut is through really, the whole team. Yeah, he just carved through everyone. And even if he isn't the best skater at the high school level, he just basically did whatever he wanted. Um, so that's always great. Uh, and what, But I always focus on sort of the USHL level play. And with him, again, like he finds ways to get inside. He finds ways to get to the net really, really well. So in terms of the mind and the skill, I think it's there. But the rest of the game, I think, will need to sort of come a bit of a ways, especially with his footwork and generating speed and getting stronger on his feet. But he fights back against pressure pretty well. You know, again, like you said, I think there is something to having a dad that was Jason Blake, especially with how his career went um, Mm -hmm. and having him being like, hey, son, you're going to need to learn how to play when two guys are trying to get the puck off you and they're six inches taller than you. Um, (laughs) And I think he does that pretty well. So I'm hopeful uh, especially if you can sort of get him sort of skating a lot better and, and generating speed a lot more reliably and just getting stronger on his frame for sure. It, you know, you talk about how, you know, we mentioned Jason Blake is, is his father and someone who, you know, had to use his, his skill set, but also his brain and his IQ to, you know, not only stay in the NHL, but be an effective, you know, role player. Uh, f- for Jackson, you know, someone who has that skill that maybe his dad didn't necessarily uh, having his, you know, artillery, is he someone that you can see becomes, you know, that next, you know, five, nine Braden point or, uh, you know, those type of players that are undersized. Maybe. I mean, Braden point is a heck of a hockey player. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're talking but, about a guy who scored nine straight goals, uh, in nine straight games in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's obviously, a the, the ceiling to say the least, but someone who, you know, can be that undersized guy that plays in the NHL and, you know, plays solid minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, the the brain that he's got for the game and just how slippery he is with both his skill and his passing, I think is projectable infinitely. You know, I think that he just has a knack for finding guys around the ice, has a knack for evading pressure one way or the other. Uh, and I think that for a guy that size, you're going to need to have that. It's not like he's just skating a hundred miles an hour up the ice and just trying to bulldoze through uh, USHL level defenses. He's, you know, he's playing at his own pace. He's finding seams, he's finding lanes, and he's just, he's just a really rock solid hockey player. You know, again, like maybe the upside might be a little bit limited, but he's going to be a guy that I think could play and especially driven through sort of the passing vision and, and just his awareness of the ice and, and how willing he is to sort of attack the offensive zone for sure. Well, the last guy here from the USHL, and what a story this is, and Shay, I believe it's Buam because it's a hard one to pronounce, um, but a left-handed defenseman, 6'3", 215. So he played for Sioux City, uh, but he's you know from Southern California, San Diego, played for the Junior Kings, uh, go Kings go, but uh, comes from Israeli roots. Obviously, I mentioned he's a Cali kid, did not grow up in a hockey household by any means, but fell in love with the game when his cousin took him to his games at the age of six. And that was the start of it. Um, so what a story that is, you know, you love to see those type of players, you know, not only get the recognition that they deserve, but at the same time succeed. And this guy seems like a guy who can succeed. Uh, you know, great vision. Hockey IQ is, is, you know, on the upside compared to maybe his counterparts uh, within his game. You know, do you see him as a guy that, you know, NHL teams are appealed to? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I can see why NHL teams would really like him. He's a big kid. Like you said, he's well over 200 pounds already, which teams are going to love. Um, he is pretty mobile as well for a guy his size. He, he's he's yeah. good on his turns. He can cover ice pretty well. Um, I, I think that he's a guy who, for me, might get drafted higher than I would pick him. Uh, yeah. I think he's more of a mid-round guy to me. I think there's a bit of a project angle to him. But I will say, like, he's good at taking care of the puck. He's pretty reliable at both ends. He's pretty smart 
overall. Um, you know, he's not a liability to his team really at all. I just wonder about how much there is to to get out of him in the NHL. Uh, you know, is he going to be one of these guys that you could just sign in free agency and not have to worry about so much? Mm-hmm. So is that a player that you want to draft in, say, the first or second round? I think he could be a perfectly fine, you know, lower end of your lineup minutes eater that won't be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But again, when you're talking about drafting players, like draft capital is important. Uh, you know, he's not super involved in offensive transitions a ton. He is efficient when he does get involved. Uh, he has some really interesting playmaking moments, I think, that that pop out once in a while. And I think he did get more and more comfortable in the USHL as the year went on. Um, but he's a guy where I just haven't haven't gotten a really great read on just how, yeah. why he might be a first-round pick to some teams. I'm not quite sure I see that. But he's a guy who I think definitely should get drafted. And you know, now that he's played more and more in the USHL with more eyes on him, he's kind of getting the attention that he kind of should be getting. You know, you go back two years and he was at Shattuck St. Mary's, which is one of the premier prep schools in the nation, 46 games at the, in the U16 level, 57 points with obviously the majority coming at an assist Shattuck again at the U18 level a year ago, 17 games, 13 assists. And then he goes to Sioux city in 2021, 50 games, 26 points. So someone that, you know, as a defenseman, maybe not your premier top line offensive defenseman, but someone who can still contribute the first name that comes to my mind, or at least someone that I, you know, I could see comparisons in is maybe like a Marco Scandella. Is that someone that, you know, maybe you see in terms of, you know, reminiscent play? Yeah. I think that's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. You know, like Scandella is oh, a, a guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Uh, Scandella's kind of bounced around a little bit again. Like yeah. he, I think he was a second round pick or something anyway. Yeah. Minnesota. But, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's been, I, I could see that as well. Uh, in that in that kind of a role for him, I think Booyam's got the brain uh, and the sort of just feel for playing defense in a in a relatively safe way, with a bit of that, you know, that a bit of that aggression that 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 you might want to see once in a while out of your defenseman. Um, so I think that again, similar to a lot of other guys, I think he's a nice little project to work with and and mold into what you think he might be like i think there's room for him to be more of a defensive leaning guy i think there's room for him to be more a bit of an offensive leaning guy i don't know if you can really do both based on his overall talent profile but i could see how he could go either way um and i guess i can absolutely see why teams would be all over him uh especially when you look at his size and, and all that but yeah so i'll be very interested to see where he goes on draft day for sure but there is there are definitely interesting tools so I want to move here over to uh, some European players. And I mentioned this at the top of the podcast. Uh, I've got two names here for you. And these guys come outside of the power five countries in USA, Canada, Russia, Sweden, and Finland. Um, you know, you look back at King's history in the last two years, they've taken Martin Kromiak uh, 2020 in the fifth round, who recently just signed with the rain uh, or with the Kings, technically speaking, Lucas Pajik, the goaltender in 2019 who has, um, you know, a great upside, at least from what we've seen so far. And then obviously you look back to 2015, Kings fans, close your ears. We had drafted Eric Chernak, um, who's now on the Lightning and has won a Stanley Cup. And maybe by the end of this podcast, when we air it, he'll have two. Um, And then, you know, you look back at a guy like Anze Kopitar in 2005 from Slovenia. So uh, the Kings have definitely dipped their toes in some Europeans that aren't necessarily from those power five countries. Uh, the first one I hear uh, that I have here, and again, what a great name, Stanislav Svozil, uh, left-handed defenseman, six foot one, one eighty-two. You know, and for both he and the next guy that I mentioned, uh, stats don't necessarily replicate or reveal how good these players and you know what they could do. Uh, he's a left-handed defenseman from the Czech Republic, excellent defender. Uh, what in his game do you see is is something that you know? NHL organizations would go after maybe in that second round area. Yeah. Uh, to me, I mean, I think he's a first round guy, but really? he's, because I, th- I think he's one of the best players that is like what we were just talking about with a guy like Booyam, where there are projects and you could really mold them into kind of what you want. You know, if yeah. you look at, if you look at Sposal's junior scoring, he scored a ton of points in junior hockey and in, in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. When he went to the second division this year, he also started scoring. Uh, it's just that the Czech extra league, is a lot. It's a tough, that's a tough league. And mm-hmm. he performed, I thought pretty well. The thing about him that I think sticks out at that level is his defensive refinement and just his ability to play against men and do well defensively. 
So he's, you know, suppressing de- defensive transitions really well. He's getting involved in quite a few of them. His rates of dangerous shot attempts against are very low. Um, it's just the trouble with him is that I think a big problem is that he's just not really comfortable at that level, which might have yeah. been a part of the reason why he was loaned out to the second division for a little bit, just to sort of get his feet back under him. He was passing, he passes the puck a ton, but the trouble is that he passes the puck a ton to nobody. And I think uh. that it's situations where he's just not really reading the ice with the puck on his stick a ton. It's more of a, I got to get the puck away from me kind of situation. Um, and in doing so that can be problematic. And, you know, he tries stretch passes a lot and those can be very difficult to pull off in any league, let alone a pro league. Uh, so it's just going to be a matter of, do you want him to be more of that defensive guy? Uh, or do you want to try to help him be be, be maybe be a better puck carrier, but he does have some good skill with the puck. Um, he's very mobile and, and really impressive on his turns and just covering ice really well. I think there's a nice project to work with with him. Is he going to go in the first round? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good at the World Juniors, but at the World Under-18s, I didn't really see much. And Mm -hmm. that kind of tracks with the games that I've seen. Some games are much better than others. Um, But I have him ranked really high because I just have him, I have a good gut feeling about the type of player he could be, especially if he, say, comes over to North America for some junior experience and gets some play on smaller ice. Um, But yeah, I, he, he's a very interesting one. If he slips out of the first round, I think a team could take a swing on him. And, and even if he ends up as like a number four or five defenseman that just you put in and can sort of plug the holes defensively, I think that's entirely possible. But I think there's definitely room to grow for him. Uh, well, the next guy we'll move here is uh, Jakob Brabenitz. And um, while I say it's Brabenitz, it looks nothing like that if you read it phonetically. Uh, center six foot one, one sixty five, and you know you kind of mentioned uh, in terms of Sposil uh, how he's a project, or at least you know a very interesting and intriguing player. I think there's a lot of similarities here with uh, Brabenitz. Uh, you know, also a Czech Republic uh, native player, but September two thousand and three. So this guy might be the very youngest guy in the draft, and um, you know, like you mentioned with Sposil, he also played in the Czech, uh, extra league, which is the top league in the Czech Republic was also loaned out for three games like Sposil to the, um, to the second league, um, but also played well in the U18 leagues. Um, so this guy, again, uh, an intriguing pick, uh, where do you see him going and, and what do you like in his game? Yeah, I don't know where he's going to go. He's a very interesting one. I, I've seen him play quite a bit. Nothing, nothing has really jumped out at me about him. He's, mm-hmm. he's one of, he's another one of these smart sort of 200 foot guys. Not the most mobile, not the most skilled, but he's just kind of effective most of the time. I didn't think anyone on the Czech under 18 team was really like, I need to draft this guy yeah. right now. Um, some of those, a lot of those teams, I think had trouble sort of settling in and, and, playing in that tournament it just was a bit of a, a of a greasy tournament for a lot of teams yeah, a little um, overwhelming. yeah but he was solid at that tournament and again like you said he's young that's a big advantage for him in my view um i would have liked to see him maybe get a bit more ice time and at least get more offensive deployment and see what he could do in that area he's a big question mark to me i i don't have him on my list um i just haven't seen enough to really yeah. warrant it but I definitely see the sort of 200 foot impact and the smarts and it's just, it's just very difficult. Like I think a lot of people don't really realize just how difficult it is to score in a pro men's league, let alone a a league like Mm -hmm. the Czech Republic or Finland or or Sweden Mm -hmm. where, you know, and the Czech Republic is not a bad place to play hockey. Though that top Mm -hmm. league is pretty good. So, and as a 17 year old too. Yeah. So for him to be a, a role player there playing center, that's impressive. And, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure what his NHL role is going to be. It's just really hard to pick out with these guys who might be, you know, might be in this weird limbo position where it's like they could play in the men's league, but you don't expect a ton out of them. But if you play them in junior or the second division, you might see a bit more. Um, And when I did watch Brabinets in the second division, again, it was more of the same, just kind of a all around guy, just not much of a liability. And again, it depends on where we're talking. um, And, if guys have just seen more of him, but he's a, he's a question one. He's a question mark to me. Well, Jack seems like a Jack of all trades, master of none type of player Uh, with that. Yeah. With that said, you know, we've covered all the players here. I'm going to ask you to put your general manager hat on as if you're 
Rob Blake uh, of the Los Angeles Kings. You know, we named, uh, I don't even know, 13, 14 guys here. You, you take into consideration the Kings have one first, two seconds, and two thirds. Is there anyone within, you know, the list that we've talked about that jumps out to you as a good fit within the Kings organization or someone that's just a can't miss or a steal? Well, the Kings love to just swing big in recent drafts. That's the thing that really <laughs> sticks out to me is they they do a lot of drafting guys who just shouldn't be available in that range, which is not yeah. a bad way to draft. So I'm fully expecting, you know, a name like Eric Martino to be on their list. I'm fully expecting, I mean, if Matthew Samuskevich slips through the first round, I could see that happening. Um, Jack Peart, they, they took Brock Faber last year. Uh, and I think Jack Peart, not the same type of player, but the same type of, you know, prospect outlook, I would say, where there's mm-hmm. tools and there's nice little bits and pieces here and there, but the all-around package isn't quite there yet, mm-hmm. um, like Faber, but he's turned out to be pretty good so far. Um, I mean, there's lots of guys, I think, in the USHL that I think would be a great fit for for the, for the, for the LA Kings. Maybe not at that eighth overall pick, um, yeah. but I think that after that, you know, if you've got multiple second round picks, multiple third round picks, there's going to be good players, I think, from the U.S. that will that will slip for sure, that, that you could just take a swing on. Spazil as another one that, that the Kings might have a good chance of getting in that with that first second round pick for sure. Will Scouch, I appreciate the time. For anyone who's interested in more analytics and data when it comes to draft prospects, where can we find you? Yeah, so I am most active on Twitter and YouTube, both under uh, at Scouching. You can also financially support the project at patreon.com slash scouching, where you get access to all kinds of special features that uh, nobody else gets access to. Uh, or you could just follow my work on McKeen'sHockey.com. Uh, post all of my, if you're a subscriber, you'll get all of my video reports in written form there as well. Um, that's also a Patreon perk as well. So definitely check all that out. And uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to be on. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming on. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you again when it comes to prospects. Yeah, for sure.